Welcome back to the conclusion of the Matter Podcast. This is Ryan Weaver. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ren Ferguson and Robbie Santiago. Uh, as Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, this is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment whether with every hidden thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. So again, welcome back. Um, I know I already said that, but I'm going to welcome you back a few times. Um, double welcome. Double welcome. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Robbie, and we'll go ahead and get started on today's episode. Thanks, Ryan. Well, today's episode is going to be another song in our series of Message Behind the Music. Um, and as we say in the Red Books, it's song number 637, if you're familiar with the Red Book. Uh, but the song title is The Last Mile of the Way. And Ryan, I just thought of this, but it's I think it's kind of ironic. I think this series was actually your idea. Preston's. Preston. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had in my mind given you the credit for it, and I found it ironic that it's always seems to almost rarely be you introducing oh, one of these. Discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was a bit ironic. Not that Ren or I uh, mind it at all. No, I just no, thought no. it was just an no. interesting coincidence. But I do, Preston, it was Preston's idea. I don't want to take, I, yeah, so. Yeah. But anyway, well, Good job, for, Preston. Yeah, go Preston. But sorry, Ryan, that you don't Does he get even to listen? have Preston? the Preston? Yeah. yeah, he's, oh, okay. he's, he's, be- well, yeah. He may not be right now because yeah. of school, but he typically does, okay. yeah. Well, he probably isn't right this second since we haven't technically released it when we're recording. No. Yeah, so that's a good point. We aren't live <laughs> yet. But maybe something. Technically, we we're never alive. I don't right? think we ever will be. But yeah, anything's possible. We're reaching <laughs> right, for the stars, we're right? We're off of it. Hey, it's it's <laughs> only been two minutes. Just settle down <laughs> over there, all right? Um, so anyway, the song that we're going to be doing today is "The Last Mile of the Way," and uh, I'll go ahead and read the first little bit of verse one, and then we'll do the verses and the chorus. And as usual, we'll just kind of make some little tidbits and comments and throw in some passages that. We might shed some light on uh, what the author is trying to say in this song. So the first part of verse 1 says, If I walk in the pathway of duty, if I work till the close of the day. Uh, Immediately, I kind of thought of the apostles, number one, but just in a general sense, how it's obviously a day-to-day, we'll say, grind for us to really truly focus on God and to follow Him to grow spiritually, uh, to overcome temptations. And so I kind of focused on being in the pathway of duty there, and I think in a spiritual sense, the author is trying to basically say that, you know, stay focused on those spiritual things, on becoming more patient, becoming more righteous, becoming more more godly, obeying His commandments, even though we're going to be faced with those temptations and the things of everyday life that will distract us. Uh, remain focused on what we're set out on this earth to do. Um, and that's kind of why I thought of the apostles. You know, they faced all kinds of hardships, um, yet Peter, Paul, uh, all the early church leaders, the apostles, they remained focused on what was truly important. And and obviously life has a tendency to distract us from those things at times. We focus on our careers. We focus on uh, just our different interests, on sports, on entertainment, um, and those things at the end of the day, uh, pale in comparison when it comes to uh, what our spiritual duty is on this earth. But what thoughts do you guys have on the first little bit there? I focused on the word if. 
Um, and that's in verse one, two, and four, but mm-hmm. it kind of indicates it's conditional. Yeah. And I think people that don't think there's condition can't really sing this song. And if they are, <laughs> why are you, I mean, yeah. why are you singing it? Um, that that's the first thing I noticed is it's conditional. And I think we find plenty of examples in the Bible of if you do this, you will be rewarded. Right. If you do this, you will be punished. And you, and, and here he's talking about reward, obviously. Um, when mm-hmm. I, when I, Pathword of duty, I'm like, okay, look up duty. Duty is, by definition, Oxford Languages has it defined as a moral or legal obligation, a responsibility. So as a Christian, we have a moral and a legal, the law of Christ, yeah. I mean, obligation that we have signed up for. Um, but I also think of the, the our, our key verse... It, it's uh, several versions say that it's the fear whole God, duty of yeah, man. fear That's, God and keep His commandments is the whole duty of man. And I know that duty part is added there, but it shows that's really our obligation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the word, at least out of the first part of that, uh, that stood out to me too, as well as the if, as you mentioned. But it was walk, which mm-hmm. goes along with what you were just talking about, because we need that term, especially as it's used in Scripture. It's that continuous, ongoing action. Uh, it reminds me, this This just reminds me of 1 John 1 and verse 7, uh, where it talks about if we walk in the light as He is in the light. It's that idea, first of all, it's conditional, but also we must continue in it. Uh, and I, I think of that here. We have to continue in uh, striving to do our best and fulfilling those obligations and those duties that God would have us uh, to perform as Christians. Uh, the other, I know you brought up the apostles, Robbie, but, and, you know, I taught this Wednesday, so this is fresh in my mind. <laughs> the laborers but the laborers in the, the, yeah, the vineyard that, yeah. in yeah, Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. Uh, because I think it hits on, I think this parable hits on basically everything that this first stanza hits on uh, because that whole parable, one of the major points is the fact that you continue to labor so long as you're able to do so. As we know, uh, this master of this uh, vineyard, uh, he goes out numerous times throughout the day to hire people. Uh, but at the end, in verse 8, at the end of the day, uh, when evening came, uh, the owner of the vineyard said to his, his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And we noticed this Wednesday, if you attend here, uh, we see there that principle. Those those laborers had to continue to work as long as they had that day before them. And and I think the principle for us is that we have to continue to labor uh, so long as we have ability and opportunity. And obviously, you know, I think in different parts of our lives, that's going to fluctuate. That's going to change the opportunities that we have. Uh, there will be times where we have more opportunities. There will be times where we have less opportunities. Uh, and, uh, of course, as we age, as we grow older physically, you just can't do quite as much. But but the principle, I think, is always doing what you can do mm-hmm. and, and doing that to the best of your ability. I, I think you you mentioned you taught that. I, Normally, I don't get to hear your class, but I was homesick yeah. and I watched online. I think the point you made was, or somebody made in there, and I think you repeated it, was it doesn't matter where you start. Yeah. It's where you, where you finish, right? And, yeah. and as you see in this parable, people were added as the day went right. in the parable. And the point is, 
You just can't say, well, I've been a Christian for, for 12 years. That's good enough because so-and-so's only been a Christian yeah. for two years, so i put in 10 yeah. more years than Jesus that person. Jesus only preached for three, three years. I've been a Christian for four years. So well, you I've, preached I've for heard, how many? Uh, this The first Sunday of this month was actually seven, Mark so seven see, years. So see, you've doubled. So yeah. you should be able to quit. Yeah. The point is, and I think you said it's you got it's a continual thing. It's yeah. not like, well, I put my time in. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's another... I mentioned a lot of like things that we think about and I think comparison can be one of them too especially in this parable that sometimes when we get distracted from what we should truly be focused on we start comparing ourselves to others or what we think life yeah. should be like that's when um, that's when we become distracted from the work and our actual duty uh, also when you mentioned that word walk I thought of Ephesians chapter 5 I initially thought of verse 15 that says look carefully then how you walk mm-hmm. not as unwise but as wise. Um, but then I kind of took a step back and looked at, even though these aren't quote-unquote scripture, I looked at some of the headings in that same chapter, and it starts walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. And so I think that's a good way of kind of simplifying what our purpose is here, loving God and loving others, and then trying to walk in that light like you had brought up in First John 1 verse 7, uh, and then trying to, you know, grow in wisdom and grow in understanding in God's Word. I think, you know, when you boil it down to it, plus, you know, some action, of course, involved in all right. of this, that's truly what our duty could be. Yep. Okay. Do you guys have any other comments or thoughts on the first part of verse 1? Uh, not that first part, I don't guess. Okay. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and read the next little bit. Uh, so the second part of verse 1 says, I shall see the great king in his beauty when I've gone the last mile of the way. So sounds like you have something for this part, Ren. Uh, well, just to tie it back to the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, because backing up just a smidgen, he talks about, if I work to the close of the day, I shall see the great king in his beauty. To me, that points back to what, similarly to what we were just talking about. If we continue to labor and if we do what we were just talking about, then one day we're going to be rewarded by seeing and being with Christ and and I'm often reminded of First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, mm-hmm. uh, because this passage is always it was written to be a comfort, and it still is a comfort, because Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, he was encouraging them that they were going to see their brothers that had died and sisters that had died uh, before them. And as he's describing what's going to take place when Christ returns in verse seventeen, he says, "We who are alive, who are left." will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And so when he returns, those that are faithful that have died, they're going to come with him, they're going to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Then whoever is still alive and is faithful to him uh, will be caught up in the clouds, will see him. Uh, John says in First John 3 and verse, verses 1 and 2, I think it's especially verse 2, uh, that we will see him as he is, and that we'll be like him. Uh, when he returns and those events uh, transpire. So that's the thing that I think about with that. If we remain faithful, one day we're going to see him, one day we're going to be with him. Right. I had that verse too, but even earlier in First Thessalonians chapter 2, at the end of the chapter, he says in, in verse 19, for what, excuse me, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at mm-hmm. his coming? For you are our glory and joy. 
And I just think, you know, stepping kind of away from Scripture for a minute, just like contemplating what that day is going to be like should be such a motivation. And I think that's kind of what the the writer of this song is also getting at when he says, I shall see the great king in his beauty when I've gone the last mile of the way. It's that after we've gone through all of the annoyances and the struggles of life and uh, and we just have such a reward in heaven that's without comprehension, the mm-hmm. best thing that we'll ever experience for eternity too. And there's nothing that's going to motivate us more than that, I think. Okay, Brian, did you have something for that section? Not additional. I think you guys oh. hit it pretty well. So, All right. Well, um, did you have anything no, else, Ren? No, we're good. All right. Well, let's uh, jump on to verse 2. Uh, so the first part of verse 2 says, If for Christ I proclaim the glad story, if I seek for his sheep gone astray. Um, the first part of that automatically also reminded me of the apostles, for they were the ones that were proclaiming uh, the gospel that Christ had shared with them to the early church and was responsible for spreading that gospel. And we obviously do the same thing today and uh, are expected to evangelize to our friends, our family, our coworkers, um, but just telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel that, and all of the things that Jesus came and accomplished and what that means for us. Okay. What do you guys have for that little bit? I immediately thought of the Great Commission, uh-huh. um, which you alluded to with the apostles, but in you know, Matthew chapter 28, <clears throat> Jesus gave the commission to go preach mm-hmm. to all nations, teaching them, baptizing them, teaching them all I commanded you. I, I mean, we say, well, he said that to the apostles, but I mean, it was that not a command he just gave them, and he said, teaching all the commands I've given you, so inherently they were supposed to tell people to go teach. And I think we see that in the mm-hmm. book of Acts, right? When when everybody dispersed there in Acts chapter 8, where, what did they go do? They when they dispersed, they yeah. just didn't go on vacation. Right, I they mean, went you preaching see, the Word. Preaching yeah. the Word. We read mm-hmm. about Philip in Samaria and such and such. Um, and uh, Paul, Paul wrote, well, Luke wrote it, but it was Paul in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 when he was talking about when he was going back to Jerusalem. He said, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What did Paul consider more important in his life, his life or fulfilling his ministry of proclaiming the gospel? And I think we could take a lesson from that and say, what should be our most important thing? It should be telling others about Jesus. So, yeah, kind of goes back to our duty. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's interesting at the beginning of this stanza, and I don't know, maybe I'm reading something into this that the the, the writer didn't intend, uh, but he he states at the beginning, "If for Christ I proclaim the glad story," to me, that points in my mind. What's our motivation for proclaiming the story? Uh, is it for the sake of Christ or is it for some other motive? And it reminds me of what Paul writes in Philippians 1 uh, in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, mm-hmm. not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So even in the first century, there were people who, it appears from what Paul says here, 
were in fact teaching the truth about Christ, but they were doing it out of selfish ambition. And so that first part of this stanza, if we're Christ, I proclaim the glad story, I think that should be our motivation, not to bring any sort of glory or notoriety to ourselves or to our name, but to bring all the glory and honor uh, to him because he's the one that deserves it and is due it. And I think he also alludes to that, even the second part there where he says, if I seek for his sheep gone astray. Right. Um, yep. And automatically I went to, you know, the parable of the lost sheep in Luke yep. 15. <laughs> Shocker. <but laughs> that whole, yeah, I figured that we were all in agreement on that one. Um, but I also was reminded of Galatians 6, 1, kind of the point that yeah. the parable of the lost sheep is kind of indirectly making. Uh, but in Galatians 6, 1, Paul writes, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted. And so I think, obviously, Paul and Luke are in agreement. Mm-hmm. Well, really, Paul and Jesus, because Jesus was the one that was teaching it. Yeah. Um, and I think the writer is kind of making that same point here in this song. Yeah. Well, and well, even, and, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say there in the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus is like, who among you wouldn't go do this? Yeah, and, right. and the expectation is he, we would do it. Why yeah. wouldn't we do it for right? I mean, and at the close of that, you know, he talks about how one one soul is so precious, mm-hmm. and there's more um, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety nine righteous persons. And you're like, well, right? What about? I mean, we're ninety nine good people. Yeah. Why are you not? But there's more joy over right. one per, uh, one sinner repenting. Well, that, that, yeah, that same chapter is you know the parable the of the lost son. Yeah. yeah, and so that was very much the other son's reaction right, right there. Right. Yes, and I really think the very the very way that this song is open, if I walk in the pathway of duty, I think this obviously falls into that category as well. Yeah. I mean, what were you about to say? Well, I was just going to bring up James 5, 19 and 20 mm-hmm. uh, to go along with the point that you just made. Because when, when I read that stanza and he talks about a sheep gone astray, to me, in my mind, that indicates someone who is a Christian but has gone back Here. to living in the world. Obviously, we know that we need to evangelize to those that aren't Christians uh, but I think there is a special emphasis placed upon us reaching out to our brothers and sisters right. and bringing them back. And in James 5, verse 19, he says, My brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Obviously, when you look at this, you see the possibility of apostasy, but also you see that responsibility of us trying to bring those people back just like the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, all of those uh, parables there in Luke 15. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Anything else you guys had? Uh, um, maybe. Where you were at in Galatians <laughs> chapter 6, verse 1, mm-hmm. where it talked about if anyone if mm-hmm. anyone among you, what's he close that verse with? Uh, lest you be tempted. Lest you be tempted. So I think there's a, a safety mechanism there that we yeah. can't just be, you know, naive about it. We got to be smart about this seeking that we don't get sucked in ourselves. And I think, too, a a spirit of humility and gentleness in correcting that person, too. Oh, you mean no no Bible bashing, no no thumping? (laughs) Well, I think what we should do is we should just get our Bibles and slap people with them. Yeah, there you go. Maybe that'll do (laughs) something. Yeah, I I was even, again, going to go back to the beginning of the verse and point out that we 
just like Ren mentioned, need to remember our motive, that mm-hmm. it's for Christ and it's not for our own attention or for anything other than what Christ would have us to do. Okay, shall we go on to the next little bit here? Sure. Okay, uh, next part of verse 2 says, I am sure he will show me his glory when I've gone the last mile of the way. Um, and again, we kind of touched on this just a moment ago, but really keeping in mind our eternal reward for looking after the lost, but also our brothers and sisters who have gone astray, uh, remembering that Christ is number one in our lives and rem- remembering that it is our duty to serve him uh, and also to spread the gospel to those uh, throughout the world. And this glory that's going to be revealed to us, this eternal life that we long for, is what should be uh, something that motivates us. Yeah, I mean that pretty much. I mean we've already kind of kind of yeah. hit on that idea. I think going right. back to First John three and verse two, we'll we'll see him as he is and we'll be like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, anything else you guys had on that? Don't think so. No. I forget the the specific verse. I didn't think of it earlier when I was preparing, but that verse in Romans, it's like in one of the first few chapters where Paul writes that neither uh, things in the past, nor things to come, nor principalities. He goes through this list, will separate us from the glory that chapter. is to be revealed. Well, I think that's chapter, chapter 8. 8. Chapter 8. In chap- it's chapter 8, starting in verse 18, uh, because he talks about, in verse 18 is where he says that the sufferings of this present age or, or time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed. Right. And then the end of that chapter, he's talking about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. Right, yeah. More so, yeah. I guess, about verse 18, about the sufferings of the present time not worthy to be compared with the glory yeah. which shall be revealed in us. So I knew those things were right. close, but I couldn't remember exactly. Yeah. And even connecting that idea back to the last part of First Corinthians 15, when uh-huh. he's describing the resurrection and how the mortal is going to put on immortality, the corruptible is going to put on in the incorruptible, that glory. I mean, we don't know what it's going to be like. We don't, I mean, until it's here, but... Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to be a drastic change for the better, obviously. Yeah, that reminded me of Philippians chapter uh, 3, verse 20. Um, but our citizenship is in heaven, mm-hmm. and from it we yep. await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body. So yeah. very similar message there, but it tells us where He's coming from and where we're going, because right. our citizenship should be in heaven. So, I right. mean, if we're faithful, obviously it is, but... Absolutely. That's how he's yep. going to show us. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, small tangent. Let's go on to verse 3 if you guys don't have anything else. <laughs> no, we're good. Okay. Uh, so verse 3 says, Here the dearest of ties we must sever. Tears of sorrow are seen every day. Um, and so I really thought, again, kind of how we sometimes will focus on family and other things of this world, our jobs and our careers, things that sometimes have something to do with uh, with Christ, but sometimes don't. And none of the things of this world are necessarily in and themselves, you know, sinful or wrong to associate with. It's when they distract us from, again, what our duty is here on this earth. And particularly that uh, we've talked a lot in recent episodes just about suffering mm-hmm. and about the struggles that we go through and why we go through those sufferings. And I think that's kind of like what um, the rest of this verse 3 is kind of talking about. Tears of sorrow are seen every day on this earth. Mm -hmm. And then even if we were to go on, I guess I'll go ahead and read it, but no sickness, no sighing forever when we've gone the last mile of the way, 
that, again, that verse that we just read in Romans 8, verse 18, kind of fits in quite well here that the sufferings of this world are not to compare with the glory that's going to be seen. And in heaven, there's no sickness, there's no pain, no suffering, uh, but this world's a whole different story yeah, when right, you compare it. Right. I think it's just abundantly clear that death is something that occurs. It's mm-hmm. the dearest of ties we must sever. I mean, we're going to say goodbye to people we care about, and at some yeah. point we're going to we're going to be the ones that say goodbye. Um, but, you know, Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed for man for man mm-hmm. to die. It is appointed once for man to die, right? And mm-hmm. the point there is you are going to die. Now, save the fact that Christ doesn't come back, but the point is death is, and that's, but as right. a Christian, that is not the end. Right. And, and, and if you think, well, why, you know, even Jesus... And in, in the, the easiest memory verse I love to give people, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Yeah. The context there was Lazarus, right? And, mm-hmm. and he was um, obviously dead. But um, in verse uh, 32, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus had compassion for because he knew they were hurting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's something that, going back to what you said, Robbie, is that we talked about it in episode one of this season, the suffering. Things are going to make—I had that verse, uh, Matthew six thirty four, for today has enough trouble of its own. I yep. mean, there are going to be things that, that upset us, but I think this point is that no matter what happens, no matter what death comes, no matter what suffering comes along, if we keep our focus in verse 1 and 2 on the things we need to do— What's that reward? And I think that's the point here is, guess what? When we leave here, there's no more sickness. No suffering. There's yeah. no more a sighing. And it's it's not talking about like, oh, I can't believe. They're talking <laughs> about, you know, really a, a sad sign of, mm-hmm. of despair. Yeah. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Right. I even think, um, kind of going to the first part of this verse, um, where he says, here the dearest of ties we must sever. I think that's another reason that in the next part he talks about tears mm-hmm. where you know the, we're unfortunately may have to make decisions where we may lose family members or we may lose really close friends or you know there may be certain things that people aren't willing to to part with or if they were then it would cause a lot of you know kind of sadness and, mm-hmm. and grief on mm-hmm. on that um and I think that's another thing that he's kind of talking about here too. Yeah, that was something that I thought of as well. And in in relation to that, I always think of a couple of passages. One of them is Matthew 10, starting in verse 34, where Christ tells us that he did not come to bring peace but a sword. Uh, and he says in verse 35, For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Now, what Jesus is saying here, obviously, is he didn't come with the intent to sow discord, but by the very nature of us following him, it will cause turmoil in some of our personal relationships because there are those that would prevent us uh, from following him or would try to dissuade us from following him. 
And, and so in that sense, causing that division. And as he states in verse 37 of that passage, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so it is that principle of we have to be willing to give up whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, again, as I mentioned, just by its very nature, our following Christ, people are not going to like that. And sometimes those relationships end up falling apart because of it. Uh, But if that's the reason why they fall apart, you know, then kind of so be it, if that's how it has to be. Right. Uh, it's that's I mean it's it's easier to say that you know I mean I'm not trying to make harsh, light of it yeah I mean Jesus is the one who said that right there would it would cause this so yeah. I really think even going back to that verse in Galatians six one to kind of correct you know evil doing and, and right. gentleness we could have the best intentions in the world but sometimes you know if it's right. something that people are gonna kind of be offended by. Sometimes even if you're being gentle and loving about it, right. sometimes it could still sever a relationship. Right. Yeah, and well, and to go along with that, the other thought that I had to go with that idea in Galatians 6 was the teaching of withdrawal of fellowship. And like in 1 Corinthians 5, he tells the Corinthians to withdraw from that man that was sleeping with his father's wife. And... I don't know how many people have ever been involved with or have experienced withdrawing a fellowship, whether on a personal level or on a congregational level, but it's not it's not ugly. fun and it it can be very hard to do uh for both sides of it. Um but I think of that here. Sometimes those relationships we have to say we can't really fellowship because of the the state in which you are living because of the things that you are doing and you're unwilling to repent of it, that's that's a hard mm-hmm. conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. That and many other conversations that particularly elderships will have too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and you brought up a few verses in Matthew. Um, I'll go earlier in Matthew chapter 5, um, verses 29 and 30 says, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it off from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. So again, things that we want to hold on to or cling to, these ties, uh, we really, if we're going to stay focused and obey God, sometimes we have to make sacrifices. Okay, anything else on verse 3? Uh, not particularly. I mean, the last part of it. I don't know if y'all brought up Revelation twenty one and verse four. Well, he he did. You he, alluded to he it. He alluded to okay. it with no sickness, right. no sorrow. I must have been looking at my notes. But you can read. I mean, we didn't read it. Okay. If you go yeah, yeah I just yeah. I just mentioned it. He did the Robbie version paraphrase. Yeah, the, notes. yeah, the RSV. Yes. Yeah, the RSV. <laughs> uh, Revelation twenty one and verse four. Uh, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So again, that that concept of what he talks about, but no sickness, no sighing forever. Uh, After that point, we're not going to experience those things any longer. Mm -hmm. All right. 
on to verse 4, I suppose, says, And if here I have earnestly striven and have tried all his will to obey, twill enhance all the rapture of heaven when I've gone the last mile of the way. So what thoughts do you guys have on the last verse here? I mean, something we've touched on quite a bit in different podcasts. I see earnest there. Yep. Very similar to diligent. The definition of it is... Um, Let's see, serious and zealous in intention, purpose, or effort. So should tell us how important the striven should be. And striven really means to make great efforts to achieve or attain something. So those two mm-hmm. together tells us, again, doing our very best, right. putting our best effort into this. Um, striven for what? I mean... I think going back to number one, that pathway of duty, mm-hmm. we've we've done our best to try to stay on it. Right, right. I was going about the same way, and it also reminded me, you know, on our Wednesday night class, we've been in First John chapter mm-hmm. two, uh, particularly uh, the where it says in verse four of the song here, and have tried all His will to obey. You know, ultimately, just like our theme verse for the podcast, that the conclusion of the matter is to fear God yeah. and keep His commandments, mm-hmm. a.k.a. to obey, obey Him. him yeah. And in class, we've been talking about First John, but when we were going over chapter 2, verse 3 says, now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him, but whoever keeps His word, a.k.a. obeys Him, truly the love of God is perfected mm-hmm. in Him. Hey, Ren, what do yeah. you have to say? Uh, well, I was just going to bring up Romans 2, verses 6 and 7 to go along with the first part of it, talking about earnestly striving. Uh, Paul, uh, when discussing the judgment of God in that context, he says, He will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. And I think it's that concept, again, of what we've already talked about, earnestly striving, something that we are patient in doing, something that we are diligent in doing, as you alluded to, Ryan, and that we're constant in doing. And also to what he mentions in the stanza right after, and have tried all his will to obey, that word tried stands out to me. Because we talk about this all the time with passages like 1 John 1 and verse 7 and others. And even I think we see this idea here in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, He doesn't say that he will render to each one according to his works to those who live a perfect sinless life and obey every single command in every single instance of their life and never fail to misunderstand any aspect of anything. I will give eternal life. He says, no, those, in essence, those who are trying, honestly and devoutly trying, I will give that reward. I had a conversation with my friend Amy, um, I guess it was Friday. She was she's doing a talk at uh, Ladies' Day there at uh, I think either Forestdale or somewhere. But she's going over um, something about straddling the fence. She can't straddle the fence, and she was yeah. talking about well, if you're a Christian, you're on the right side of the fence. And she's like, "Do you think when you sin, you automatically go to the other side of the fence?" And I'm like, "I don't necessarily think so because no. that First John right. passage there right. says if you walk in the light as He is in the light." His blood cleanses right. us. So that tells me that you can sin while you're on the good side yeah. of the fence. It's getting into that aspect of, is it becoming a practice? Are right. you doing it every day? Is it becoming part of your life right. versus that stumbling? And I think yeah. that's what your point there is. 
it, it's for people doing their best. They're going right. to mess up. I right. mean, we've looked at Peter messing up yesterday in class. And yeah. for those of you who weren't in class, I apologize, <laughs> but that's when he withdrew from and withdrew from the, from the yeah, in Galatians or, yeah, chapter yeah. two from the Gentiles. There, I mean, e- inspiration did not mean he was perfect. Inspiration yeah. was mm-hmm. only to deliver the message the way right. God intended it. It did not make the apostles flawless. Right. So again. Which, yeah, and I think you and I, I probably have said this to you too, Robbie, but I'm fully convinced that when I stand before God, there are going to be some things that I got wrong. Yeah. But that shouldn't, I don't think it should scare us because if you're honestly and sincerely striving and when you see, okay, God, I know for a fact that he wants me to do this. Like X, the example yeah. that comes to my mind obviously is baptism because that's clear as day, but so many people you know, fight against Still it. don't see it. <laughs> yes. Uh, when you see the scriptures, you're like, okay, this is clearly, like, unequivocally, no doubt about it, no gray area, this is what God wants me to do. If you choose to then not, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, well, then you're in a different situation. Yeah, right. I'm not talking about, you know, large-scale things like that, but if you are doing everything that you know God requires of you, it doesn't depend on your perfect understanding of everything. Here's your, you said what God requires of us is I have um, Micah chapter six, verses six through eight are the verses I have. But if you look at Micah chapter six, it starts out there that says, Hear what the Lord says, arise and plead your case before the mountains. And basically, he said, and then verse two, hear the hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord. He was bringing an indictment on the people of Israel. And he's like, you're not doing what I require of you. And they ask in verses in verse six, starting with what shall I come before the Lord and how and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come with him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? And they go on through these other things. And it's like, well, yeah, he did require mm-hmm. you to do this. Right. But he said in verse eight, he said, um, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice to love kindness, mm-hmm. and to walk humbly with your God, which mm-hmm. tie very closely back to loving God with all your yeah. heart, soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself, which Jesus said all the law and the prophets hang on. Right. So having those mm-hmm. you know, those relationships yeah. in, in place is what he requires of right. us. And how do you try to obey? You have to yeah. know, right? You just yeah. can't say, well, you can't sit back, never read, and say, well, I just right. didn't know what I had to do. Yeah, Because... Yeah. You know what I mean? That's Yeah, I would say that's a level of ignorance that's inexcusable. Yes. Because right. it's willful ignorance. Yeah, you're like, yeah. well, if I don't know any better, yeah. then that's, yeah. that's not going to work. But yeah. anyway. Well, I mean, that mindset's probably more common than we would yes. think yeah. it should be. Yeah. Um, and even, again, there's a difference also between, like, tripping up on the path versus, like, going to a yeah. completely right. different yes. path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's in James, uh, something that you said a minute ago, Ren, reminded me of the verse that says to him who knows it is sin and does not yeah. do it. Yeah, the end of, yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, but And it kind of also reminds me, we brought up this verse several times as well, but Romans chapter 6, you know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Um, but I was wondering what y'all thought of the last bit of verse 4 that said, "Twill enhance all the rapture of heaven when I've gone the last mile of the way. I mean, well, it just means rapture is like joy, joy, yeah. and ecstaticness of yeah. heaven. I mean, it's going to make heaven sweeter. I think yeah. is what he's saying. I think so. I, I, I mean, heaven's going to be awesome no matter right. what. But, but I think when we, gonna, when we look back and we see all of the, yeah. all of the effort that we had to put in, and 
and all of the attempts, all of the time spent in studying His will so that we could obey it, mm-hmm. and just all of that effort and all of that work that goes into that, it's going to make that reward so much, much greater, I think. Yeah. Right. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I think that's kind of what he's saying kind of at the end of each of these individual verses is more or less, mm-hmm. yeah. more or less that. Yeah. Like, even though I'm going through all of these hard times, right. think of what's going to happen. Right. Even though I'm losing certain relationships and having to make sacrifices, yeah. this is what I get in return. Um, even though it's difficult to stay focused, if I do, this is what I'm going to get. So um, I guess we'll go on to the course unless you guys had anything no, else good. on the verses. I'm good at least. Um, and I'll just read this the way that will make the most sense unless one of y'all want to echo me. Uh, so feel free to do that if you want. But uh, the mm. chorus <laughs> the chorus. Says, at first I didn't know what you were talking about. And then I was like, it's oh, like an I echo get, part yeah, here no, in the I'm chorus. So if, if you feel obligated, then uh, jump in here. But uh, it says in the chorus, When I've gone the last mile of the way, I will rest at the close of the day, and I know there are joys that await me when I've gone the last mile of the way. And really, I think this is kind of what we've just kind yeah. of left, that, yeah. you know, um, after we're looking back on our life and all of the sacrifices that we've made, whether that be relationships or different moral principles that we've uh, we've had to, to give up in order to be right with God, or whether that be um, just the toll that this life takes on us, when we look back, that's when we're really going to truly have that rest and that internal peace and that joy and that rapture that we just talked about, um, especially at the end there where it says, I know there are joys that await me. Uh, and again, going back to Romans, Romans chapter 8 again as well. But what did you guys think? I, I'm, a couple things. I saw rest stood out to me in Hebrews chapter 4. You know, he warns about how the Israelites missed their rest um, in the promised land because of disobedience. And he's and in verse chapter 4, verse 11, let us therefore strive, and there goes that strive again, to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience, warning us that Number one, we have to strive, we have to work at it, but there is a rest coming. Um, and something you said, Robbie, triggered me to go to First, uh, first John chapter 5, verse, um, where'd it go? 13. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. This is one Wren always hammers on us, or hammers home. I th- well, you did for a while anyway. <laughs> I write these things to you that who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That The way, when you read that, that is the statement of a confident person. Mm-hmm. They know there's no question of, man, what's going to happen yeah. at the end? And this, I mean, to your point, Ren, earlier, we don't know exactly how it's all going to work, what we're all going to yeah. look like, but we know, we know where we're going to yeah, be. And right. are there going to be joys there? Well, if there's Absolutely. no sorrow, there's no pain, I mean, that leaves the opposite. Right. So, yeah, we anyway. can't comprehend how great it's going to be, but it's going to be great. Yep. Yep. And you can know. Yeah. And you yeah. can know. Well, and the other thing that stands out to me from this is he talks about the last mile of the way, which I think just reiterates the basic point that we've seen in most of the verses, that principle of continuing until the very end. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of Paul in 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27, where he talks about those that run a race, that all runners run, but only one receives the prize. Uh, in essence, run it until it's completed, going back to what we talked about at the very beginning with Matthew 20, uh, running until the very end. If you quit that last mile, 
then you can't have that confidence of that rest that he describes there. But absolutely, and that confidence, I think, is crucial. And the reason, I guess, I know I do hammer that a lot, but well, I don't the mean reason, it in a bad way. Yeah, I but just, the reason I do is because I think a lot of Christians don't have that confidence. And it's like, I mean, I know what that's like personally. It's terrible, like, feeling and mentality to be in. But we can know, and we can have that confidence of that rest that awaits us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, going back to that verse in Acts chapter twenty, in verse twenty four, when Paul part that that middle part stuck out to me. If only I may finish my course, because you remember what did he write at the towards the end of his life to Timothy? Yeah, I have fought the good fought fight, the fight I finished, finished the, the race, or the course. Yeah, I kept the faith, yeah. finished the race. Yeah, he 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 did what you said. He yeah. kept going in Philippians chapter three, verse fourteen. He said, "I haven't obtained it yet mm-hmm. at that point, but I." strive right and he he continued that course and i think that's the that's the whole point there is yep. it's it's a it's a marathon is yeah. what the christian life's not a sprint going back to his analogy there in first corinthians chapter nine it's it's a it's a it's a marathon right yep and then we get the reward that this song's t- been talking about yep. So that's a lot better than some dumb marathon medal. Yeah, that just clangs. Yeah. Sometimes they give you like a, a donut and some other things, though. I got free pizza down at St. Jude. Oh, that was pretty. All you can eat bad. too. No, that nice. was pretty good. Yeah, I would have taken like three pizzas. <laughs> I th- well, they probably did it by slice. They did. Oh. So it was still. I guess you <laughs> could just hang out there for a while, though. <laughs> so, all right. Well, do you guys have anything else? I don't know. No. Just one side note. We did boost the volume level on this episode. So if you're listening to this and it's like blowing your eardrums out or something, just let us know. Uh, we had a request from a listener to see if we could adjust that. So we're messing with that. So if you have any feedback on the sound level or quality, just let us know. Yep. All right. Well, anything else, guys? Well, we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, and we've reached just about the last mile of the way on this podcast. Yep. So I guess you can consider this the conclusion, conclusion of, of the matter. matter.